Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guest today is from Utahns Against Hunger, Executive Director Gina Cornea. Gina, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. And what's the name of your dog? Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I wanted to... <laughs> Rose, that's Rose. She is uh, very um, protective. Oh, okay. So she's, on, she's on patrol. I, at our house, we have three dogs, and they all go nuts every time the Amazon van pulls up. So I'm completely used to it. So um, give us... She's a good girl. Just to start with, give us a little history about Utahns Against Hunger. And by the way, the website is uah.org. How did it come to be and when and why? So we came out of Crossroads Urban Center in the late 70s, early 80s as a project to expand the Women, Infants, and Children's Program into the counties across the state. And as that happened, they just they made a decision that there was just there was a need for ongoing advocacy around federal nutrition programs and access to food. And we knew that as WIC, we, right? Yeah, WIC. And that was that was before it was, you know, the, it was a newer program and not every county had a program. And so, um, you know, our roots are in advocacy and expanding programs and educating lawmakers and decision makers about why these programs are important. And before we talk more about the organization, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, what's your experience, and how did you come to be the executive director? Well, I, I have been the executive director now for a very long time, coming up on 22 years. Oh, good for you. And I know, well, it seems crazy that it's been that long. <laughs> but I really, I was introduced to Utah's Against Hunger specifically when I was up at the University of Utah, and I was a student volunteer at the Benyon Center. So I did a project where I was doing some work with them. And, you know, then, you know, life happens. And I was in Houston for a while working at a drop-in center for the mentally ill homeless. And back in Idaho, doing some work with people with traumatic brain injuries. And But it was all direct service. And I just got really frustrated that there was just this endless need of services and that there were policies in place that made it difficult for people to get what they needed in an ongoing mm, way. Okay. That, you know, sort of the the downstream versus upstream, you know, who's throwing the babies in the water? Well, let's go, <laughs> you know, keep people from throwing babies in the water instead of rescuing all the babies from the water. So that got me interested in public policy. And um, my friend Bill Krim, who... Um, I was up at the U with was working at a place called Utah Issues and called me and said, hey, we have a position open that I think you would be good for. And it was when welfare reform was happening in 1996. Mm-hmm. And so I went and did that and still was connected with Utahns Against Hunger because, you know, I knew those folks over there. And the longtime director was leading. And so I completely unqualified applied for that job. And have been there ever since. And, you know, I mean, public policy is, you know, something I feel really passionate about and really believe in making change on that level, whether that's, you know, legislative or administrative. 
um, you know, I think it's a really powerful way to have a broad and deep impact on programs and on people. Um, that being said, the programs, you know, that we advocate for, WIC, School Meals, SNAP, we know that they're not going to solve hunger. What will solve hunger is more income equality. And that, you know, that really underpins everything we do is that people just don't have the money um, to buy the food they need. And you've already talked about this a little bit um, with advocacy sort of being at the center of it. So how does Utahns Against Hunger fit in with other nonprofits? Because I know there are several nonprofits that focus on food and hunger. Some of them are food banks. Um, how do those? How do you fit in with those sorts of organizations? Well, you know, they those more direct service organizations mm-hmm. play a critical role in meeting immediate needs. So if you go down to your you know your local emergency food pantry, if you go to Crossroads Service Center, if you go to Hildegard's Pantry you are going to get enough food to make a meal at least for three to four days. And so they play a critical role in making sure that people um, have those immediate needs met. And we, we, we work with those organizations and, you know, they, one, they help us identify the needs in the community, mm, yeah. how many people are coming to, you know, coming to their organization for services. And it gives us some insight into what the need is. But it also helps us understand where there are policy gaps. And, you know, policy takes, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes negotiation. It takes pressure. It takes complaining. It's sort of like, <laughs> the you know the burr under the saddle to to get those things changed and so that's sort of a longer a longer term strategy to get policy changed so that those programs are more accessible and you know places like Crossroads Urban Center they do direct service and are working on public policy and you know those are critical partners in helping us understand what the needs are from the people who are accessing those programs. That's great that you all kind of partner together. That makes sense because you can kind of help each other in the areas that, uh, you know, the other one might be lacking. Um, On your website, it lists three priorities, and I kind of want to just talk about each one. And the first one we've already talked about, advocate. What what does the advocacy look like uh, in your organization? Well, you know, we work on the federal level, so we work with our state delegation to help them understand what these programs, and really even beyond um, nutrition programs, other anti-poverty programs, we help them understand what they look like in their communities, who's accessing them, and why the policies need to remain more, dare I say, liberal and um make it easier for people to access the programs. I mean, right now, you know, we're sort of anticipating and there have been, you know, bills being filed in Congress that want to really severely restrict access. And that's mostly in the House. And now that the Republicans are controlling the House, we anticipate that there's going to be a lot of legislation that will try and make it more difficult for people to access these programs. Hmm. Um, On the state level, we... You know, we don't do a lot with the state legislature. I mean, we're, 
not likely to have a, a, a SNAP bill, for example, to make the program more accessible because it just wouldn't go anywhere. Mm, right. And so a lot of what we have done in the state legislature is advocate for funding for emergency food pantries because we know that our state legislature likes that charity model and we have you know pantries across the state that need financial support because it costs money to give away free food. Yeah, yeah. And so, for example, we advocated um, this last session for $800,000 in funding for emergency food pantries. It's only one-time funding, but that is going to go a long way in helping these, you know, a lot of very small pantries. I mean, people think of, you know, emergency food or food pantries and food banks, and they think of the Utah Food Bank. Right. And they do terrific work. But there are pantries in, you know, communities across the state that are small. Right. That really depend on their community for support. And if you are living in a rural community... There's just not a lot of folks to draw on right, yeah. for them to send you cash, you know, and, and so having support from the state for these pantries to be able to pay staff, to be able to buy a new truck, to be able to do a, a mobile pantry where, for people who can't drive into their, you know, to their building to get food. And that's, you know, and it, it really is the state money is a lifeline for a lot of these organizations. And then we do work on the local level. We, um, you know, work with Salt Lake City and with um, with other folks on policies that cities can implement that make food more accessible. I was just going to comment that I think our brand of Republicans in the state, I like to call them reasonable Republicans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, we have some of those. Yeah. Definitely. We need, we need more. <laughs> So the second uh, priority is outreach. And you've talked about that a little bit, but maybe talk about it just a little more. Yeah. So, um, you know, we know that there are a lot of people who just who maybe don't think about um, applying for benefits, for public assistance benefits. And so we work with um, organizations across the state to to actively do SNAP outreach in, you know, with their clients and, you know, if they have the capacity to help them apply for those benefits. Those organizations can then get reimbursed 50% of what they spend um, in doing outreach, you know, for the extent that they incur. So if, you know, 50% of somebody's salary at whatever time is spent doing outreach. And Utah manages that program for the state of Utah. Um, we do a lot of outreach with farmers markets because there are, you know, dozens of farmers markets across the state that accept SNAP benefits so people can have access to locally grown healthier food. And we have we started a program in twenty fifteen called the Double Up Food Bets program where people can get those benefits matched and then have more money to spend on food mm. at the farmers market. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's so, you know, fancy that the farmer's markets are only for rich people. And, you know, that's just not true. You know, when you do price comparisons and when you are buying um, locally grown produce, it is, you know, it's a, it's a good deal. And um, we, you know, believe strongly that people should have the right to choose the food that they want to eat and incentivizing them to buy healthier foods we think is a good idea. Oh, so yeah. we do outreach. 
We do outreach for that program. We do outreach for the Senior Farmers Market Nutrition Program, which is a new program. Um, we used to do a lot of outreach for WIC, um, which we're starting to pick up again. So we just we want to make sure that people have information to you know to programs and you know where is there a pantry in my neighborhood? We have on our website um, a list of pantries by county and then information on how they can access um, public assistance programs, specifically food programs. So, you know, we want to make sure that just people have access to information, that they have access to accurate information, and that they don't have to go far to to get that information. So that's one of the reasons we have that accessible on our website. I love the farmer's market thing. That never would have occurred to me that maybe you can't use your SNAP benefit at a farmer's market. And the fact that they've embraced that just makes so much sense. And you know, the the same person that might criticize, well, that food's really expensive, is probably the same person that gets upset when they use someone. You see someone using SNAP benefits to buy non nutritious food. So right, right, and you know, and it's really like being able to use your benefits at the farmers market is good for everyone. It's good for farmers. It's good for you know the SNAP recipients. It's good for the local economy. And, you know, I will never forget, I was volunteering at the downtown farmer's market at the SNAP booth, and there was a graduate student who was doing little exit interviews, you know, about with the people who were getting SNAP tokens. And I just will never forget, there was this one lady who came, and she had her kids with her, and she got her tokens, and she did this interview. And she said, you know, it makes me feel included and part of the community. And if I didn't, you know, if I couldn't come to the farmer's market and use my SAP benefits, I wouldn't be able to afford to come because they just mm, don't have yeah. the extra money. Right. But, you know, because, and that's, I think, you know, what sort of, for me, what underpins and what drives me is that connection to food. You know, we, whether it's a special occasion where it brings us together, but we eat food every day and, you know, having access to, um, to the food you want to eat is really important. You know, when being able to buy a, a birthday cake, mm-hmm. you know, for your kid's birthday or, you know, being able to maybe afford to, to <laughs> I don't know, to, to buy something special on occasion, it's really important. And it, and it is about community. It is about feeling normal and being able to just afford food. And that, you know, that the fact that we even have to say that in this country yeah. is, shameful it is you know i mean it really is and food access to food is a human right everybody should have the dignity to eat the food that they want to eat and to be able to buy it and have that choice and you know i understand that these programs you know they're not perfect and you know i would you know change them in any number of ways but not only do they give people access to food and to um you know, being able to feed their kids and feed their kids healthy food, but it also treats them with dignity. And I know that that people have bad experiences. I understand that. And again, programs aren't perfect, but they reduce food insecurity and they move people out of poverty and they make sure that people have food on the table. So the third one was educate. But before you talk about that, you mentioned food insecurity. We hear that term a lot. What does that mean exactly? Yes. 
So food insecurity, and there's, you know, a fancy um, social science definition, but it really is basically just not having the resources to buy enough food to have a healthy, normal lifestyle. And one in 10 households in Utah experience food insecurity. And that, you know, that data is a little um, old by now. And, you know, we don't have any um, newer data with food prices having gone up so much in the last year. 11%, I think, was the the latest data that I saw. But so one in 10 um, households in Utah Mm. struggle to afford enough food. I would bet that most people would guess that it was not that common. Oh, I know, and I and I I think people people don't really understand what you know what that means, what you know what food insecurity or hunger really is. And I mean, not surprisingly, when you look at who is most at risk, it is seniors, it is people with disabilities, it is you know women with children. I mean, really, if you are in a marginalized community, you are at much higher risk of experiencing food insecurity than you're not. And, you know, for example, I mean, college students are not a marginalized community, but um, they did a survey at college campuses across Utah last year. And 36% of college students experience food insecurity. You know, I think that there's this notion that, oh, you know, it's just a starving college student. But this is the kind of food insecurity that prevents kids from succeeding in college and maybe even have to leave college because they have to get a job um, that requires them to not be able to go to school. So so then they end up leaving college, dropping out, and still owe college debt. And so, you know, we should be doing everything that we can to make sure that these students are in the best position to succeed and to be able to graduate. And, you know, Every single campus on United in Utah, except for maybe BYU, has an on-campus pantry. Hmm. I mean, it's that, you know, serious of an issue. Um, You know, and if you're in the LGBTQ community, you're more likely to experience food insecurity. I mean, so, you know, all of these factors, wherever there's, like, housing instability or job instability, or if you have to experience, you know, racism or sexism, you know, or homophobia. I mean, all of those things contribute to your underlying well-being and also contribute to food insecurity. And I would think as a society, we've got that hungry college student who's facing, do I continue to go to college and be hungry or do I drop out of college and get a job? I would think as a society, we would want to give that student some food so that they could graduate and contribute to society. It just seems like a no-brainer. argument we, we make about access to to school meals. You know, when you know hungry kids can't learn. And why aren't we doing everything? Why aren't we treating school breakfast and school lunch like school supplies and making them free to all the kids? Because we know that if kids go to school hungry, they act out in school, they do poor on tests. So we really should be investing our tax money into those programs that help kids succeed, whether whatever level, whether it's grade school or college. Yeah, I've always thought that lunch, at least lunch in school, should be free to everybody. Um, you know, yeah. that's just part of the going to school. I, I wish we could make that change. Maybe you could just touch quickly on education. That was the third oh. priority on your on your oh, website. Yeah. So, so things like 
this doing it, you know, talking to the amazing Mike Parsons about uh, <laughs> the Utahns and Sunger in this issue. Um, so, you know, we do things like this. We talk to legislators. I mean, you know, people will ask me if I'm a lobbyist, you know, and I am. I'm a registered lobbyist. But, you know, we do a lot more advocacy and education with elected officials than we do lobbying. And that's a very, very small part of what we do. Um, but we, you know, do presentations in college classes, the civic groups. So, you know, we write letters to the editor and op-eds. So we just, you know, whatever opportunity we have to publicly talk about these issues and why public policy is important, we do. And that's the education piece. I was surprised to find out that Utah is one of only 13 states that charges a tax on groceries. Um, I know it's it's been in the news recently. Where are we in that process, and and what do we need to do to get rid of that food tax? Well, so first and foremost, you know, this has been you know an issue that um, organizations like Utah's Hunger and Crossroads Urban Center and Coalition of Religious Communities have been working on for decades, and it's you know been a long time. And um, if the legislature had the will. I mean, they know that it is one of the most publicly popular policy changes they could make. I would think so, yeah. But, yeah, but they've dug their heels in and decided that they are going to force this to um, a constitution, the constitutional change with, with income taxes. So there was a bill that was passed that will put on the ballot in 2024 Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> I know the delinking of the income tax to, edu- to be earmarked for education. So, and if they pass that, then they say, "Well, and then we'll also take the sales tax oh, off." Okay, I, it's just so weird they, because <laughs> they tied those two things together. It's just weird because the last year it's been in the news that we have this huge surplus. Which is a great yeah. position to be in, and I know that they're probably going to try to give some of it back to us in tax, tax cuts, and everybody wants that, I yeah. think. Yeah, $128 for most households. Is the tax cut. Yeah. So I think if you That's t- what they'll get back. I think if you put that on the ballot, would you rather have $128 or get rid of the food tax? I'm pretty sure I know how that would come out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, you're right. I mean, people, I mean, it's just, you know, and it doesn't, it's, you know, the state portion of the sales tax on food is low. I mean, you know, it's lower than the general sales tax. And, you know, it certainly would, you know, make a, a difference for folks. But it's just wrong to tax something that is an essential like that. Yeah, it's why I we need. shouldn't tax period products. It's right. why we shouldn't tax diapers. You know, these are young, struggling families and, you know, baffling to me (laughs) why they just won't do it because they could. So your organization, Utahns Against Hunger, um, you're a pretty lean operation. How many employees do you have? There are three of us. Three. And we all wear many hats. I'm sure. Do you have a, a schedule for who takes the garbage out? (laughs) <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so I would imagine that means that you have lots of uh, opportunities for volunteers. Yeah, you know, I mean, so we're not doing direct service. Oh, right. Know, so we're not, you know, interacting with and dealing with clients. So um, the volunteer work we have are, you know, outreach opportunities. Right now we um, work with the community learning centers in Salt Lake City School District and go to the community learning centers once a week 
and hopefully talk to parents about um, applying for SNAP and giving them information about the HEAT program or WIC and things like that and senior programs. Um, and so, and then we do have some internships. I have to say is I'm, I'm probably not as diligent about, you know, um, looking for folks to, to help us out. And just, it, you know, as part of it, it's not, it's not, it's, then it's not a priority. It's just a capacity thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and having projects that are meaningful for interns. So we always encourage people to reach out to us and, you know, find a project that is meaningful to them that also, you know, helps us in our work. I would imagine that you could use volunteers that do all sorts of things. Obviously, you're not doing food drives, that kind of thing. But, you know, no. if somebody's a, a CPA, maybe they could help out in, you know, in their own field, that kind of thing. You know, it, it, people who are interested in fundraising, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough for everyone um, in terms of fundraising right now. And, you know, we could always use help in, you know, in that regard, mm-hmm. um, you know, planning some fundraising or helping us do peer-to-peer fundraising, you know, helping us identify and write grants, you know, about that would, you know, that's a, that's a big need because it takes a lot of time. And any time that I'm spending raising money means that's time I'm not spent and I'm not spending talking about policy and doing those other things. And so, you know, or, you know, data entry, I mean, some of this stuff is super boring, you know, but they're not interacting with clients, which is like so satisfying. That is a really enriching experience to be able to talk face-to-face with a client and, and feel like you're really making a difference um, in their in their life. But, you know, cleaning out a, a database of old names, you know, that's a little harder to make a connection. But it's critical. Yeah. And there are people that enjoy that, um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, they're not as many as the uh, the opposite side. Um, and then I wanted to ask about in-kind donations. I'm sure people see your name, Utahns Against Hunger, and they want to donate food to you, and I'm sure that you don't take food. What sort of in-kind items are you looking for? Well, you know, we, like you said, we are a, you know, we are a lean machine. Um, you know, we... Things like printing, you know, we do, you know, when we go to information fairs, when we um, are out and about um, having, you know, and it's expensive to get things printed. And so things like, you know, like that, um, you know, banners, you know, like supply kinds of stuff. So if somebody was a small business owner, if they reached out to you and said, here's what my business does, is there something I can do for you, would make a lot of sense. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I think one thing, one thing that people aren't understanding right now, um, as prices on everything are going up, uh, the prices for everything that a nonprofit needs to spend money on, all those things are going up as well. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. And you know, we and you know, like you said, I mean, we're lean, and we're you know, we try and you know, make sure that. You know, every every dollar we spend is spent wisely and that, you know, people have trusted us with their money and we want to keep and earn that trust. So, um, yeah, it's expensive to run a nonprofit. So what are your goals moving forward? Where, where What would you like to see five to ten years from now? You know, it would be great for us to have a campaign to do a universal free meal for every kid, mm. you know, to help our legislature understand that that's an investment worth making. Um, I think, you know, we always, you know, have these lofty goals to end hunger by 2030, you know, by this date. 
And, you know, I think that looking long term, I would like to see um, these have a really serious conversation about income inequality and how because you the same the same elected officials who oppose increasing the minimum wage or increasing benefits, things like that, are the same ones who complain and who don't like public assistance programs. But you can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, if, if, you, if you're not going to support uh, the working class folks in making sure that they have livable wages and safe places and affordable places to live, if you're not going to do that, then you have to accept that those same people are going to need some help and that often comes in the way of government programs. And yeah. that, you know, and thank goodness we have a safety net. Yeah, and there is definitely politics intertwined with all of it. But I love the name oh, of your organization. So many. Thank you. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I love the name of your organizations, Utahns Against Hunger, because I don't think that there's probably a Utahns for Hunger coalition out there. There is not, although our elected officials sometimes vote as if they were. Right, so, right. That. <laughs> but at least if you ask somebody, are you against hunger, I'll bet the yeah. answer is going to be absolutely. Oh, there is no one who would say they're for <laughs> hunger. And Gina? That's, I mean, you know, we just need to work that into a gotcha. Right, yeah. <laughs> Gina Cornea is executive director of Utahns Against Hunger. And if you like what you've been hearing or if there's a way that you think you can help, go to their website, uah.org. Gina, thanks for your time. Mike, thank you so much. What a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.